Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Need if you could just put on a set of headphones and uh, and hear God speak and know without any doubt that it's God. And then my second thought was, because that's just a fleshly thought, my second thought was we have that. You know, we, we can take the Bible and we can hear God speak and we can know that it's God. Uh, title of the series we're doing is that question, are you listening to God? And we're using the 10 plagues in Egypt to kind of give us some pictures of maybe troubles that we can bring in our lives when we fail to listen to God. God sent Moses in to tell him to let God's people go free, and Moses continually rejected that, refused to hear what God was saying. And as a result, a direct result of him refusing to listen to God, you have this series of plagues take place. Uh, And what we started with, of course, that first plague was the uh, water being turned to blood. Then the next one, the... uh, because Pharaoh refused to listen, frogs came up on the land. And the next one after that, the one we looked at last week, there's some uh, small insects, some translations say gnats, some say lice, uh, that came up upon the land. But all that was happening because Pharaoh continued to refuse to listen to God, to reject what God was saying. Today we're going to look at something kind of similar to last week. We're going to look at the the plague of the flies, and the question is, are you tired of, of shooing flies? And of course, the analogy will be this, like it has been in all the other messages in this series. Uh, sometimes we bring troubles upon our lives when we refuse to listen to God. And, you know, when those troubles hit, maybe you get tired of trying to, trying to chase them away. Uh, so uh, we'll be in Exodus chapter 8, verse 20 through 32, and I'm not going to read it right now. We'll read it kind of as we go uh, through the message. But uh, I don't know how you guys feel about flies, but uh, I, you know, they're they're an aggravation to me. Uh, One reason they're an aggravation to me is because when they get in the house, and they will get in your house, just you going in and out the door and things like that, I I started to make Becky come up here and sit here with me and and tell y'all how much she hates flies, and I thought I'd get in trouble probably making her do that. But But if flies get into the house, if she knows there's one buzzing around, it's like she can't go to bed until she knows it's dead. You know, so, so if it gets in the house, uh, I'm called on a search and destroy mission to go and, and kill the flies. Now, when I was younger, I could actually catch some out in the air. I can if it's a slow fly still, maybe an old fly, and uh, everything, catch it in the air. And, uh, and then someone's going, there's probably some, some bleeding heart here that's going to be thinking to yourself, you caught it and then you released it. No, I caught it and I killed it, Okay. Now, you know, I know some people say, but you should have released it outside because they're part of the ecosystem. And, you know, they, they help out our, our environment by doing their job out there. Well, as long as they're in their ecosystem, it's fine. If they're in my ecosystem, it's not fine. And if I catch it, I'm going to kill it. Uh, you know, and, and that's kind of what I'll be called on to do uh, a lot of times because of, uh, because of uh, flies being around. Now, if you want another reason to hate flies... Uh, besides them just being an aggravation, I, I just think they're nasty. 
And some of you, I've kind of used an illustration similar to this before, so I apologize for running it through from a little bit different standpoint. But uh, I get evidence all the time how nasty dogs uh, or flies are because we've got three dogs at home. And uh, when I take one dog out to relieve itself out in the yard, uh, by the time I go and get the second dog and come out, guess what the flies have already found? Hmm? The, the caca, the poo-poo, whatever is okay for me to say in church without getting in trouble. You know, number two, whatever. Uh, anyway, that's just how, I mean, it just takes them seconds to do that. And, and I was taking the dogs out this week, and I saw that happen again. That reminded me how, how nasty they are. So do you want them leaving that and coming to land on your body? You know, or if you're asleep at night, to land and crawl around your mouth while you don't even know it. Flies are nasty, Amen. So maybe what we ought to do, if you're in agreement, it seems like most people's in agreement, maybe what we should have done today is buy flies waters, hand them out to you, and we'll just close the service, and you go out to kill flies today. Another reason to hate flies, I think, is this. The Bible talks about Satan being the lord of the flies. So if you don't count a biblical reason to have a negative connotation toward flies, then there it is. As a direct result of Pharaoh refusing to listen, God is going to send these flies. I, I'm not perfect in everything about history, so I may say this and someone will bring me a picture last, you know, next week or say, well, see, they did have fly swats. <laughs> far as I know, Egypt didn't have fly swats. They might have had something that looked like it. They didn't have bug zappers or anything like that. But even if they did, with the number of flies we're talking about in this story, they would need a small tactical nuclear device to get rid of the flies. Because that's how bad the flies are going to be. Because we'll see as we read this text that they're not just in their homes and on their bodies, even on the land where they're walking. That's how many flies God sent. And the thing I want you to keep in your mind all through this series is, when we refuse to listen to God like Pharaoh refused to listen to God, sometimes we'll cause self-generated troubles to hit our lives because we've rejected what God has said. And those troubles can be very worrisome, very aggravated, and maybe you, you, know, you try to chase them away yourself and think you can just get rid of them, but you, know, you might chase it off for a moment. It's kind of like a fly. It's going to come back. When what we need to learn to do is this. We need to learn to listen to God instead of rejecting what God says. And by our listening to God, we can minimize the troubles in our lives. Now, please hear this clearly. I'm not trying to tell you if you listen to everything God says, you'll never, ever have trouble in your life. Just go read the book of Job. But what I am saying is this. I think we can minimize the troubles we bring upon ourselves if we'll just listen to God. We'll still have troubles. We live in a fallen world. But we can minimize that somewhat if we would listen to God. So today I want to look at four things that we can find in our scripture text that if we would, uh, four things we need to avoid. And if we will avoid these four things, just maybe we'll minimize the troubles that we bring upon our lives. And there's a lot of things in scripture other than these. It's just four things that I saw in this passage of scripture as I was preparing this message. Number one is this. You need to avoid facing recurring, increasing troubles 
You need to avoid facing recurring, increasing troubles caused by failing to listen to God. In other words, a light bulb needs to come on. You know, I mean, when, when, when we have been rejecting what God says and it continues to cause trouble, just like it does here for Pharaoh in Egypt, at some point in time, we ought to kind of figure out, this may be I need to listen to what God is saying. So verse 20 and 21, it said, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, your people, and your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. So flies are going to be all over the place, even where they walk. There'll be flies just covering the ground in their homes, everywhere else. This is really similar to the first plague that happens as far as the the beginning of it. Last week on the lice or the gnats, whatever the small insects were, we noticed that there wasn't a warning given, a pre-warning given to Pharaoh that the gnats were about to come. Instead, it just happens kind of all of a sudden. But now we see there's a warning being given again to Pharaoh. And like it was when the water was turned to blood, Pharaoh is going down to the Nile, and a lot of Bible scholars believe that he would go there maybe even every day, to bless the Nile in some way because the Egyptian people viewed Pharaoh as though he's a god. So he's going down to the Nile to, to bless it. And as he goes down to, to bless the, the, the Nile River, he looks over, and who's he see again? <laughs> Moses and Aaron. I, I thought about that this week. Can't you imagine he started thinking to himself, man, not these guys again. Oh, he said, just go and leave me alone. Not, not these guys come in here and, and, and bother me again. But Moses comes and he delivers a message that you need to let my people go. That's what God is saying so they can serve me. He gets this warning. And if only, if only Pharaoh would have listened, just maybe things might have been a little bit different. Now, I know God said in advance he's going to harden his heart because God's an all-knowing God. But still, he continues to give Pharaoh opportunities. And and maybe if he had listened, things could have changed just a little bit. And I think he had abundant reason to listen. Because in all these plagues, they occur just like Moses said God said it would happen. They occur when Moses said God said it would happen. And they stop. Whenever Moses said God said that he would stop it, or when he went to pray and and to ask God to stop it. So there's like all kinds of evidence for Pharaoh that something's happening here. There's a pattern. This is happening just like Moses said God said. This is happening exactly when he said it would happen, and it's stopping when... Moses goes and prays to God. So I'm just kind of thinking somewhere a light bulb should have come on with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh would have started thinking to himself, hey, maybe I need to listen to what I'm being told. Maybe I need to listen to this message that Moses is bringing from, from, from his God. Maybe I need to pay attention to that. Now, now, one thing I'm just going to mention real quickly 
I thought was interesting, noticeably missing this time are the magicians. Because in this text, as we read this text, where the magicians have kind of been off to the side for Pharaoh to call over and say, hey, duplicate what they just did. They're not on the scene, at least according to the Bible. They're, they're not in the story that we read this morning. And if you remember last week, the magicians, when they couldn't reproduce the sand and the dust being turned to gnats, they went and told Pharaoh, hey, this is the finger of God. So I, I think maybe the magicians, at least for the time being, kind of tucked their tail between their legs and didn't show up. Because they're not mentioned at all in, in this story. There's a principle that's kind of going on in in this story that that I want us to focus on just for a minute. The the Bible seems to teach that God responds to to us to a certain degree based upon how we respond to him. Now, let me read some scriptures uh, about that. Psalms 18, verse 25 and 26, To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, kind of a picture of Pharaoh, you show yourself shrewd. It's like there's a a warning being given there. That, hey, the way we act toward God, the way we respond toward God, affects to a certain degree the way he reveals himself to us. The nation of Israel were even told, if you refuse to listen to God, this is what will happen. Look at Leviticus. Let me read that for you. Then if you walk contrary to me, God is saying, if you, the people of Israel, if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, so not only was Pharaoh having issues because he wasn't part of God's people because he's refusing to listen to God, the people of God, the Jews and the people of God, still us, we can have some issues and problems when we fail to listen to God. He said, if you fail to listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. And I will let loose the wild beast against you, which shall bereave you of your children and destroy your livestock and make you few in number so that your roads shall be deserted. And if by this discipline you are not turned to me, but walk contrary to me, then I also, in turn, God has said, I will walk contrary to you, and I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins. Stephen tells his own people, if you reject what I tell you, if you don't listen to me, and you walk contrary to me, God is saying, I'm going to walk contrary to you. So there's a little bit of a principle there we need to maybe pay some attention to that the way we act toward God may affect the way that we get to perceive him, the way he responds toward us. Because Pharaoh was continuing to reject, to reject what God was having to say, Pharaoh was experiencing negative things in his direction from God. And we might need to have a wake-up call ourselves and recognize that if we respond in wrong ways toward God, we may experience negative things in, in our lives also. Charles Hadley Spurgeon said this once, he wrote it rather, but he said, God shows himself to each individual according to his character. And just maybe Pharaoh gives us a a really good illustration of that, maybe as good as anybody in the scriptures. Because he keeps having this abundant evidence, this chance and this chance and that chance to listen to what God is saying. And through all these plagues, he's receiving abundant evidence that God is who he said he is and that God is doing what he said he can do, that God is all-powerful. And yet he continues to reject what God is saying. So in response, 
he gets all these, these negative consequences. Water turned to blood. Frogs in his bed and in his ovens and all over the land. Gnats all over the place. And now flies being sent. What did God do in response to the lack of response of Pharaoh, to Pharaoh's rejection of his word? More or less, God declared all that war on Pharaoh and on the gods of Egypt. Now, I'm not going to run back through the gods that's already been fronted down, more or less, by these plagues. But most Bible scholars see in these plagues that each time one of these plagues takes place, it's also a judgment against the false gods of Egypt. It's so as God is almost playing with them or making sport of them or, or, or showing that there are no gods at all. And as we think about this plague of the flies, it was well known that the Egyptians would worship some insects. There, there was a, a false god in the lower region of, of Egypt, in the south region there, that, that worshipped a winged insect that looked something like a wasp. Most Bible scholars see in all these flies coming up that there's a, a judgment taking place against two more of the Egyptian false gods. Uh, Re, and you can have at it, pronouncing the next one, okay? But they're false gods. And, and God is more or less showing his authority and his power as he judges these, these false gods. He declares war against them. God sends six very painful plagues that will end in the firstborn son of all living things in Egypt dying. What you kindly see as you study the life of Pharaoh is this. You see in Pharaoh's responses to these plagues, we see the moral and spiritual deterioration of a man that would not submit to God, that would not listen to what God was saying, and he pays a terrible price for his rebellion. So the lesson for us to learn is simply this. We need to learn and apply to our lives the lesson that just maybe we can avoid causing some recurring increase of troubles in our life if we'll just start listening to God. We can avoid the troubles occurring again and again. We can avoid them increasing if we'll just listen to God. Second lesson this morning, second thing we we need to learn to avoid is this. We, we need to avoid failing. And then as I, after I'd already kind of given the notion of Randy to put in the PowerPoint, I really thought maybe I'll put the word refusing. We need to avoid failing to recognize or we need to avoid few, refusing to recognize and submit to the sovereignty of God. Now, as I've mentioned at least two Sundays in this series, the sovereignty of God is like a recurring theme in this. And Pharaoh, because he's rejecting the sovereignty of God, the authority of God, he, he's having all these negative things happen. Look at verse 22 and 23. But, but on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen. Now, the land of Goshen is where the Israelites lived. That was a section that had been allotted to them uh, by a, a previous uh, Pharaoh when Joseph was even there, and they were given this land of Goshen. He said, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I'll put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. So in other words, God is telling Pharaoh this. 
Pharaoh, here's a clear sign that I'm sovereign, that I'm in control, and you need to be listening to me. He even says, so that you'll know that I'm the Lord, here's what's going to take place. There will be flies all over the land of Egypt, but there will not be any flies in the land of Goshen. Now think about how unusual that is. Normally a swarm of flies will go wherever a swarm of flies wants to go, right? And yet you have a picture here, almost like God put a force field down or something to where the flies headed toward Goshen couldn't go any further. God, by his will, God, by his word, God, by his authority, will that these flies that's involved in this plague would afflict all of Egypt, but they would not go anywhere near his own people. Now, I think that's a pretty clear picture of the sovereignty of God that, that God is putting out there for Pharaoh to see, for the flies to be everywhere but Goshen. I mean, I think you could probably have walked across Egypt and there's flies over, all over the land, all over the body, all over your air, uh, all in your, in your homes, and you get ready to go over toward Goshen as you're leaving Egypt, and, and, and like there's a border there, and all of a sudden, boom, no flies. A, a clear sign from God that he was the one that was in control, that he was the one that, that had all authority. And God does that through these plagues again and again and again. He is proving his authority in, in these judgments, these plagues that take place. You could say it like this. God marked his people for deliverance. And the Egyptians were, were marked to face this judgment because Pharaoh had refused to listen to God. The word division that's used there in the Hebrew, the word translated division can also be translated or means this. It means redemption. It means a ransom. And it means a deliverance. So by God not allowing those flies to go into Goshen, it's like God is saying, it's not going to touch my people because I've redeemed them to myself. I have ransomed them to myself. I've delivered them. I'm delivering them from this, this judgment that's about to, to take place. And if you want to apply that to our own lives in this day and time, if you know Christ is your Savior, God has ransomed you. God has redeemed you. He sent His own Son to die on the cross. God has delivered you to Himself. Not so we can stay the way we used to be. And, and we'll see that pop up in this story here in a moment. But God's redeemed us to ourselves, to where he, he marks us to be His people and we need to live like his people. And God preserves us probably from many things that we, we don't even understand, we can't even see. That maybe God spares us, even in our daily lives, from things that we could face because we're His. But thank God He is going to spare us from a day of fiery judgment. Because He, by His grace, and that's also a picture of what we see in this story, you see a picture of the grace of God. He, by his grace, has redeemed us and delivered us and ransomed us. The, the people there in, in Goshen, they weren't perfect. 
They did not deserve these flies being kept away from them. It wasn't because of who they were. It was because of who God was. It was because God made a sovereign choice that he would not allow the flies to afflict them. So it gives us a picture of the grace of God. You see, our, our protection, our redemption, our deliverance is not based upon who we are. We don't deserve it. Thank God for the grace of God, though. Amen? Thank God for his, for his mercy and for his, his grace that we can't merit, that we can't deserve, but that he, he gives us. When you're studying the Bible, many times Exodus will give a picture of uh, like a you know, worldly pride or, or the sin of the world or worldliness. But when, when you look at God's people leaving out from Egypt, it gives us a picture of the deliverance that we have in Jesus by the blood of the Lamb. Because when we get to the last story in, in this stories of the plagues in, in Egypt, we're going to see that Passover Lamb. The Bible tells us this in, uh, in Galatians chapter 3. Um, let me back up. I just saw I jumped some scriptures on them, so let me read them while we're here. The Bible clearly talks about there being that division that I just talked about in Ezekiel. It says, As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord, behold, I, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and, and male goats. Of course, he's talking about his people. Malachi 3.18 says this, Then once more you should see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. And the one you may have already thought of in your own mind when I first started talking about there being a distinction is that Jesus said this, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. There's a distinction. There will be an eternal distinction one day. But it's because of the grace of God. It's not because of who we are. Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 and 5 tells us this. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. That's what we were talking about happening in, in Egypt. To deliver us from the present evil age. See, God didn't deliver his people out of Egypt for them to turn around and go back to Egypt. They wanted to. <laughs> I mean, three days out in the wilderness or so, they were ready to turn around and go back. But that's not what God has delivered us for. He wants to deliver us out of the mess that we were in. He, he wants to deliver us out from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank God for the grace of God. Pharaoh failed to recognize, though, this sovereignty of God. He failed to see it in all these plagues that were taking place. And as a result of it, he faced many, many, many troubles in his life. And our lesson is simply this, guys. We need to be sure that we're not ignoring the sovereignty of God. We need to be sure that we don't reject the sovereignty of God. We need to be sure that we humble ourselves before God, recognizing that he is sovereign, because failing to do so will increase troubles in our lives if, if we're tired of trying to shoo the troubles away the the quote flies in our life it'll help us have less of them if we'll recognize the sovereignty of god you may put that in layman's terms simply view it like this god's the boss and you're not god's a boss and you're not and if we just let him be the boss of our lives and recognize him in that way we could avoid troubles third thing we need to avoid today is this. 
We need to avoid bringing trouble upon ourselves. You need to avoid bringing trouble upon yourself. And one way to do that is, is apply discernment. And I'm not talking about just your discernment, but kind of a, a spiritual discernment. And we'll see Moses do that. But we'll see that Pharaoh fails to use any kind of discernment and kind of listen to God in light of everything that was happening. Pharaoh brings trouble upon himself by refusing to listen to God. God had said, if you don't let them go, there's going to be great swarms of flies. That phrase means heavy or oppressive swarms. That's why he was facing and the land was facing because he was refusing to listen to God. It said, and the Lord did so, there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses and throughout all the land of Egypt, and the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. What you think about really, really <laughs> practical terms? Because Pharaoh failed to listen to God, he caused trouble in his own house, didn't he? He caused trouble in his own home. He even caused trouble in the homes of his servants, the homes of other people. Because Pharaoh refused to listen to God, he caused trouble in his own land, in his own nation. And the Bible said the land was ruined because of the swarm of flies, which happened because Pharaoh failed to listen to God. Lesson we need to learn there is this. Just maybe if we'll listen to God like we should, our homes can be better. Our families can be better. Just maybe if we'll listen to God as we should, our land will be better. Our nation can be better. Instead of us experiencing ruin, and we can look at how our culture's changed and how our world has changed and how our nation has changed over the last years. And as I've said a lot of times before, we always want to cast blame somewhere, somewhere else, make it the politician's fault or this person's fault or whoever else we can look at and say, say it's their fault when really the fault belongs to all of us because if all of us would have been listening to God and doing what God had called us to do, our nation would be a different nation. Our homes would be different homes. If we would listen to God the way we should listen to him. But Pharaoh didn't do that. He wasn't discerning of everything that was taking place. Moses, on the other hand, we get the exact opposite story. Moses avoids trouble by fully listening to God. Verse 25 through 27, then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God within the land. Now, I want you to notice something. He, he didn't say, go the way you've been asking. He didn't say, go out there three days' journey into the desert. That's what God had told him to do. Pharaoh's using a little bit of a ploy here. Pharaoh said, go sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, it would not be right to do so, for the offerings we should sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. And if we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey. He's just repeating what God told him to do. We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells. Next slide. As he tells us. 
See, Pharaoh offers a, a really simple compromise. And Moses has to depend upon God's word to escape the trap. The, the, the trap was this. Moses just, all right, worship God if you want to. Just don't leave the land. You see, Satan's got the same ploy for us. Worship God if you want to. Go to church if you want to every time the door's open. Just don't let it change your life. Just don't move from where you are to some other place. Satan really doesn't care if you come every time the door's open. He doesn't really even care if you pray and read your Bible if you don't apply any of it. He's telling us, well, it's fine if you want to worship God. It's fine if you want to, 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 to pray and read your Bible. Just don't move forward any. Don't, don't leave the place that you're at. Just kind of stay where you are. In other words, he's happy as long as we just go through the motions. As long as we're satisfied to kind of act like we're worshiping God, and, and, and yet we're just staying, staying where we are. Some of you may think that going to church a couple times a year, Christmas and Easter, that kind of means, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in tight with God still. Or coming a couple times a month. Some of you may think coming every time the door's open means, hey, everything's, everything's okay between God and me. But I want to submit to you, that's not enough. We're having our small group sign-ups outside in the lobby after our services right now. They're getting ready to launch again. And I know you've heard me harp on this before, but really I'm probably going to harp on it until one day I see 100% participation of Day 3 Church and small groups because that will change the life of Day 3 Church. And that will change your life. Because showing up here... On Sunday morning, we can greet people, love each other, hug each other a little bit, you know, laugh and things like that here, sing songs together, hear a sermon together, but it's not the same as you having a small group of people around you that can help hold you accountable and pray for you and know what you're going through, and you can do the same thing for them. Being involved in a small group will help you move beyond just where you are. And I'll be happy to stay in, in the land. Aside from that, you need to be studying the Bible and praying yourself in your home and maintaining this fellowship that God wants you to have with Him in your home. Because that will continue to help you move outside the land, move from where you are. Satan would be thrilled if we would worship God as long as we would kind of just stay inside the land. The enemy wants to tell us that. You don't have to be separated from sin. You can just serve God in the land. But God tells us this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ in Belial? Or another race for Satan. What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. 
As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. The enemy says, just kind of stay where you are. Don't go outside the land. Don't go too far. But God says differently that we need to, to, to live our lives for him. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Religion that is, that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and notice this, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James 4, 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, God's not happy with us just staying in the land. He, he wants us to move beyond that. There's also another subtle temptation that is found in the words of Pharaoh. And Moses picked up on it. Moses said, if we do what you're saying, if we sacrifice the animals that we're going to sacrifice in the land. That's going to be an offense, an abomination to the people in Egypt. Because some of the animals that the Israelites would have sacrificed, had they done it inside the land, were animals that the Egyptians thought were sacred. And Moses even said, hey, if we stay here and do that, won't they stone us? So by, by Moses using some spiritual discernment, he was recognizing that had they done what Pharaoh was asking them to do, just sacrificing the land, they were going to cause some unnecessary trouble to affect them as a people of God because they had intentionally and purposely offended the people in Egypt. Now, now here's a little bit of a lesson maybe for us. We need to be careful that as we live our faith out and, and, and we serve God, we do not intentionally, intentionally with a wrong motive, intentionally with harmful intent, offend the lost and dying world around us. Because one, just by offending them and just by showing up as mean-spirited, bigoted, active Christians, we're not going to impact much of a change in their life. Instead, we'll be closing off a door. Instead, we'll be generating kind of like being stoned. Them coming after us. Them having negative feelings toward Christianity. And, and to be honest with you folks, that happens a lot in our world today. We, we need to be careful. And, and, and let me give a qualifying point. I'm not saying don't live your faith out loud. I'm not saying don't make a stand for Jesus. See, even as we just live for Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus is a rock of offense, that Jesus is a stumbling block. So even with us living for Jesus the best that we can, with good intent, we're still going to have some people be offended. What I am saying is this, we need to be very careful that we, with malice and, and intent, don't act in a way toward unbelievers that offends them. Because that will that will hurt our chances of being as effective for Christ as we should be. But here's the main lesson. The main lesson is simply this. The main lesson is we ought to do exactly what God tells us to do. 
We need to have obedience to what God says. God had told Moses, go three days journey into the desert. Anything else would have been what? Disobedience. Anything else would have been less than fully listening to God. So instead, he listens to God and he obeys what God is telling him to do and avoids bringing some unnecessary troubles. Now, here's a little side message I, I, I don't want to jump past. It doesn't necessarily fit exactly what we're talking about, but I, I think we need to talk about it just for a minute. And, and, and that is simply this. There's a three-day journey that also separates us from the rest of the world. That three-day journey is the journey that Jesus took. That three-day journey is a journey that Jesus took from the time he hung on the cross and he was buried. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament, during that time, he went and led the captives free. Somehow, I think spiritually, Jesus presented his blood on the altar of heaven. And because of that in our faith in him, we are set apart ourselves. Whenever I read something about the third day, it, 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 it pops up my ears when the three days pops up in Scripture. And it's not because the name of this church is Day 3 Church. The name of this church is Day 3 Church because of what Jesus did. Amen? We, we need to identify ourselves. That, anytime you hear about the third day, surely the importance and significance of that ought to teach us that our place as Christians is in the resurrection of Jesus. We need to live our lives out in the resurrection of Jesus and, and allow that to, to affect our lives to where we're living for him. Fourth thing we need to avoid is this. We need to avoid making half-hearted, deceptive deals with God. If you want to try and avoid some self-generated trouble in your life, then you need to avoid making half-hearted, deceptive deals with God. Avoid, and, and maybe I should have put another word in, because not all compromise is always bad, but avoid unbiblical compromise. Avoid compromise that is against the, the will of God. Verse 28 through 32, it says, So Pharaoh said, when, when Moses didn't hit on that first temptation, hey, just sacrifice in the land. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. But catch this second compromise, this second temptation. Only you must not go very far away. And, and Pharaoh says, plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I'm going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people <laughs> tomorrow. I don't know, but you know, it's just like maybe Moses is saying, Hey, you asked for tomorrow with the frogs, I'm giving you tomorrow again. You got one more night with the flies. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again. By not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained, but the rest of the story. Can you guess what he did based on what he's been doing? 
But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. See, this is the second compromise. The first one was, hey, just stay in the land and sacrifice. The next compromise is this. He tells Moses, all right, if you'll pray and take these flies away, I'll let you go. Just don't go very far. And that's the same plot the enemy has for us. Oh, go, but just don't go too far. Go go serve God, but don't become a fanatic in doing it. Go go and do what God is telling you to do, but, but, but only go so far with it. Don't go overboard with it. And people with well intentions will give you that advice sometimes that they see you all of a sudden get on fire for God. Don't go crazy with it. Don't become a fanatic. I had people tell me that. Well, when God was first calling me to ministry, like they were really well concerned for me. You, you, you might hurt yourself by serving Jesus too much. <laughs> might be a negative thing if you really serve, stand for God too much. And I'm thinking... The opposite's true. See, he's being really deceptive with God. It's like he thinks he can cut a deal with God. And, and Pharaoh says, plead for me. But you see, I don't think Pharaoh was interested in God's will at all. He was only interested in his own welfare. He was only interested in the flies disappearing. And we've and been guilty of that. I have. I'll admit it before in my life. Have you been guilty of it? Here, here's what I'm talking about. You have something afflicting your life. You get in trouble in your life. And, and you get to the point that you say, God, if you'll just make this go away, and then God does it, and you forget that you made a deal and a promise with God. We only want the trouble to go away because we're interested in the trouble going away. We're not really interested in the will of God for our lives. And that's where Pharaoh is in this story. He's not really interested in God's will. He just wants the flies to stop, the, the water not to ever turn back to blood again, not the frogs to return, not to have the gnats all over the place. He just wants it to go away, and he thought he could bargain with God. And I think the very fact that Pharaoh thought he could bargain with God shows the prideful haughtiness he had in his life. And when you and I think somehow we can bargain with God, think about what you're doing. You're elevating yourself to the place that you think you can manipulate God. And that's where favor was. But he rejected the Word of God again. If we want to avoid self-made troubles in our lives, you and I need to avoid to avoid making half-hearted and deceptive deals with God. Not going very far away is incompatible and inconsistent with the Christian life. God doesn't want us to hold ourselves back from going all in with Him. Not going very far away from the mess we're in in our lives, that's incompatible with with our Christian maturity. We're not going to grow like we ought to if we don't go all the way in. Not going very far away is kind of a dangerous place to be spiritually in our lives. 
They could have gone just a little ways outside Egypt and sacrificed animals a little ways out, not too far away, and the Egyptian people could have still seen it and brought trouble upon themselves. God said go three days. We need to be willing to go as far as God tells us to go. I read a story about a little girl who fell out of bed. And when she fell out of bed, she started crying during the night, and the mother rushed in to kind of care for her and pick her up and, and console her a little bit. And then the mother asked her, said, why, you know, why'd you fall out of bed? And, and the little girl initially said this, well, I guess I, I, I fell asleep too close to the edge. And, and, and then in this story, the little girl thought, well, no, that's not exactly true. She said, the reason I fell out of the bed is that I didn't get in as far into the bed as I needed to. And and I'm afraid that's our problem a lot of times. We go a little bit in the direction that God wants in our lives. We go a little bit toward Jesus. And we get satisfied there and we fall asleep and and a lot of times we fall out of bed. When what we need to do is get all the way in bed with Jesus. We need to get all the way in as far as God desires us to be and not not be satisfied in our lives with just going a little ways. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever he sows, that he will also reap. Pharaoh was reaping what he was sowing. Pharaoh kept saying no to God, kept lying to God, kept making deceptive deals with God. And he was getting back in return what he was sowing. Can I ask you this morning, what are you sowing in your life? Can I ask you this morning, what results are you getting from whatever you're sowing? Are are you listening to God as you should? Are you getting all the way in? Are you listening to the enemy say, hey, just kind of stay where you are, you know? Just do it where you are. It's fine. I don't care if you worship God. I don't care if you do this. Just, Just don't let it move your life alone don't go too far just stay kind of close by where you are the way you've been living your life when God has so much better for us and so much he wants to do in our lives aren't you tired of trying to swap troubles away aren't you tired of trying to shoo them off if so we can minimize those troubles that we cause ourselves if we'll listen to God. The lessons for you to hear them in a different way, and then then we'll close. The lessons that we can learn, that we should learn from this story this morning. Number one, we can avoid recurring and increasing troubles if we'll listen to God. See, I'm just phrasing it a different way than I did in the sermon. They're telling you to avoid something, I'm just telling you, if you will do this, you can avoid those troubles. We can avoid recurring 
increase in troubles if we'll listen to God. We can avoid some of the troubles we face in our life if we will recognize and submit to the sovereignty authority of God. We can avoid some self-generated troubles in our lives if we'll simply use what it should say, uh, simply use God-given discernment. We can avoid self-made troubles in our life if we'll avoid making half-hearted, deceptive deals with God and stop making wrong compromise in our lives. God wants us to get all the way in. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we fail to listen to you. Forgive us when we believe the enemy, when we think it's okay just to kind of stay in the land, stay where we are, and not allow our relationship with you to move us forward. Father, forgive us when we listen to the enemy, and the enemy says, just don't go too far. Father, help us to to be willing to get all the way in. Lord, if there's someone here that's never said yes to Jesus, help them to make the first step this morning by trusting Christ as their Savior. Help the rest of us that know Jesus to evaluate our lives and ask ourselves what we're sowing, what we're reaping. To ask ourselves if we're really fully listening to you. To ask ourselves if we're getting all the way in. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand. God speaks to you and tells you you need to get in this morning by trusting in Jesus. We invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.